Good morning, church. It's good to be back in the house of the Lord. Amen. I always love Communion Sunday. It's always a good time to reflect. Amen. So today, this morning, you know, we're just not going to waste any time, but we're just going to get straight into the Word of God. Is that good with you? Yeah, we can get into the Word of God. And, and today, I want to talk about an emotion which is very familiar to every one of us. So when I mention this emotion, I'm pretty sure everyone knows this emotion. Can you, can you guess what I'm going to talk about? I want to talk about fear. Has anyone in this, in this auditorium, in this room here, never experienced fear? Anyone? You've never experienced fear. You are a very fearless person. Anyone? I put my hand down. Anyone? No one, because it is one of those things which is so common to all of us. And yet, we all know that fear is really not what, how the Lord wants us to live. And so, when the Lord placed this in my heart, I started doing a lot more research and, and, and reading up about this very, very relevant topic in today's times. And the topic for, for my, my sermon today is called, Put Fear to Flight. Put Fear to Flight. Can you say it with me? One, two, three. Put Fear to Flight. What does it mean? It means we're gonna, today is the day where we will say goodbye to fear for good. We tell fear, take a hike. You're not welcome here. And that's what it's all about even this morning. You know, we have different ideas of what fear can be. So let's just take a, a, a small definition of what fear is all about. Fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by the threat of danger, pain or harm. Now we're all familiar with that, right? It's very common, because, so you can resonate with that. And you know, when it talks about fear, right, you don't have to teach a child fear. Even a, a small baby, as soon as, it, as a small baby hears a loud noise, immediately it clings closer to the mummy or the daddy. Immediately the grip gets, t gets tighter because the child immediately has that, <gasps> something is happening and a little bit of fear, a little bit scared. Just like how some children, when, some children, when they see clowns coming to them, they get, they're just like, oh my goodness, a clown! And they start crying instead of laughing. You know, because instinctively, they're not familiar with these things. And fear grips in. So you don't have to teach anybody what the emotion of fear is. It is something quite natural for all of us. And then we also have this word phobia. You know, nowadays we, have, we like to put fancy names to different things which are so familiar. And when I was considering the term phobia, phobia is called a persistent irrational fear of a specific object, activity, or situation. So that is a phobia. And when I was just doing some research, I found this website which is called phobiaslist.com. And in the phobialist.com, do you know how many phobias are listed there? you got easily more than 2,000 phobias listed there. Are you shocked? I was just, I, I couldn't cover all 2,000 because I was just so fascinated at some of the very interesting phobias which I've never heard of before. And this is one interesting phobia which has got to do with technology and culture today. Have you heard of the word nomophobia? N-O-M-O phobia. It's not, called, it's not called nomophobia as in no M-O-R-E, not nomophobia, okay? Nomophobia is a phobia which a lot of people with mobile phones can suffer from. 
Nomophobia means it is the, the, the fear of not having your phone, your mobile phone with you. Huh, all those laughing are feeling it now. <laughs> it's, it's not just not having your phone with you physically. It is also while you're having your phone and suddenly you see, <gasps> 1% battery. Wow, then nomophobia sets in and like, oh my goodness, I need a charger, I need a charger. Oh, the other, no, other part of nomophobia is when you look at your phone and like, hey, got no signal, got no signal. How? What if there's someone is trying to get me a WhatsApp message? That is nomophobia. So while I talk about nomophobia, I pray and I believe that today no one has the nomophobia. So you know what? Let's put the phone away unless you're taking notes. Okay? Let's not have nomophobia this morning. Hallelujah. So all kinds of phobias are prevalent in the world today. And, and the fears that we have, you know, when I was just doing different, different, just reading up, I realized that we can probably categorize fears into three different categories. The rational fears, godly fear, and irrational fears. What are rational fears? Rational fears are things like you want to protect yourself because you don't want, you have a fear of someone breaking into your house. So what do you do? The rational thing to do is to lock the door before you sleep. Anyone here, you go to sleep with your doors wide open? Anyone here? The gate wide open, sila masuk, suma, suma, sila masuk. Don't have, right? Because we have rational fear. Rational fear that helps to protect ourselves. Rational fear that makes you, when you're about to cross the road, what do you do? You look to the right, you look to the left, you look to the right again. We learned this in standard one. And I think because all of you are sitting here, we have all mastered it. Hallelujah. So these are all called rational fears which help us plan. Rational fears makes us study for exams, huh, young people? Makes you really study for, for exams, right? Because you don't want to fail. Or rather, you don't want your mother and father to scold you. <laughs> so we've got different kinds of fears that motivate us. And these are all very rational fears. And then we have something called godly fear. Now, is godly fear a negative fear? No. The word fear, when you talk about godly fear, is talking about that sense of awe. It is a... It is a fear that comes upon you when, when you worship the Lord, when you look upon His, His, His presence, when you're just in, immersed in His presence and you just know the Lord is here. And that's when that, that awesomeness comes upon you and that is that godly fear, the fear of how amazing, how majestic God is and how small and tiny we are. And that is that awesome godly fear that we all have. And then we have irrational fears. Fears that we, have, we can't do anything by worrying about. What kind of things that would those come under? Things like worry about your future. To some extent, you can prepare for it, but you can never really fully know all about it. But then if it consumes us, when anything starts consuming us, that's when it can cross the line from a rational fear to become an irrational fear. You get what I'm saying? The wanting to be clean, it is very rational because we don't want to have germs all around us. But going, the, going overboard, when you need to clean yourself every 20 minutes, then that becomes slightly irrational. 
But the Lord does not want us to deal with all these irrational fears, fears of the future, fears of the unknown, fears of going to see the doctor, wondering what results will come out. God wants us to be an overcomer of all these different kinds of fears. You know, when it talks about phobia, right, I'm just reminded, in December last year, I was driving one of those car parks where you got to go round and round and round, you know, those, those car parks. And, you know, as you're going around those car parks, you can see on the walls, right, cars who didn't quite make it right. You get to see, right, all the, the different colour paint there. And then I was going down and I was just silently congratulating myself and saying, you know, you're such a good driver, you know. Because <laughs> never have you ever gotten your car scraped. You know, and I said, God, thank you, you know, for giving me such good driving skills. Less than a minute after I said that, crunk, 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 I'm like, oh, how on earth did that happen in all my life of driving? It has never happened, so don't get so proud, okay? Don't be like me, right? And so when that happened, I had, a, I had a huge graze against my car. You can still see it. I have not attended to it yet. So I have a huge graze against my car. And since then, whenever, it's not just on, not just on, on curving roads, but even on straight roads, I'm constantly paranoid that, hey, the car's too close to me. Oh, I'm too close to that car. Oh, I'm too close to the edge. Because it was an irrational fear that took over me. And I, and I, and I remember in January, I was just like, okay, this is enough. This is ridiculous. And, you know, I said, God, you've got to just free me from this. And, you know, I, and, and just keep driving and just regain that confidence again. And, you know, so it, it's so funny how these things can just come up because of one bad experience or maybe come up because of different bad experiences. And so fears which you never had growing up can suddenly grip you at different seasons of your life. So today, you want to tell fear, take a hike. Amen? Amen, church? Yeah, we've got to tell fear, take a hike. We don't want you in our lives. Now, when we talk about fear, I went into the Word of God. And while I was trying to do research in the Word of God, there was a lot of statements coming out on the internet which says, wow, there's 365 do not fears in the Bible, one for every day of the year. So I thought, wow, so good. Then as I did more research, no, Lord, don't have like that. <laughs> so I decided I will just show you, show you now what, what it is in the Bible. In the Bible, the phrases do not fear, do not be afraid, fear not. In that context itself, it occurs 38, 33, and 34 times. A total of 105 times. Though it's not 365 times, 100 times a certain thing is mentioned in the Bible. Guess what? Take note. God is trying to get your attention. In fact, this is not a suggestion. This is actually a command of the Lord. It is actually a direct instruction for every single one of us. This is, a lot of scholars said, it is the command most repeated in the Bible. The most repeated command in the Bible coming from the Lord's mouth is do not fear, do not be afraid, and fear not. So do you think we should take, take note of that? We should. So that's why it's very important that we understand it. The words fear, the words afraid in all its different forms occurs in the Bible a total of 602 times. 
602 times the emotion of fear is taken note of in the Bible. So it's something that, that is very relevant to every one of us, very practical to every one of us. And then I was wondering, wow, Lord, so much of fear in the Bible. I quickly decided I will do a word study on love because we're in the year of unstoppable love, right? Do you think love got more or less times? What do you all think? More! You're so clever. Everybody gets one star. Love occurs a total of 684 times in the Bible. 684 times. So, love is much greater. <laughs> Hallelujah. I like, I like the, the new Easter theme. No greater love. No greater love because love always will conquer it all. We'll, we'll, we'll take a note of that a little bit later on in the, in the message. And what do we gather from all these verses? The first thing we need to know is why, does, why is fear mentioned so much in the Bible? Not because God is trying to belittle fear, but God is an understanding Father. He's a Father who recognises that in our human frailties, fears come in. And that is why He personally assures us time and time again, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. That's what our Father does for us every single time. And you know, every time, more often than not, when the word do not fear, do not be afraid, fear not occurs, it is always followed by God giving an assurance. For example, when Jacob was told to leave Canaan and go down to Egypt to be where Joseph was, the first thing the Lord told jo Jacob was this, do not be afraid to go into Egypt. I will make you a great nation. The promise was still assured. Don't worry to do this. Don't be afraid. I will still. When Joshua, in the midst of him trying to conquer the promised land, he had to come across many, many kings. There's one battle particularly, at least four or five kings with armies that was as, as numer numerous as the grains of sand. Of course he was scared. So the first thing the Lord told Joshua in Joshua 10 verse 8 says, Do not be afraid of them for tomorrow at this time I will give all of them slain to Israel. Tomorrow it shall be done. Do not be afraid. And of course Jesus himself assures us time and time again. And he assures us even in Luke 12.32, Do not be afraid little flock for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Church, that word is for you as well. Do not be afraid. The Father is pleased to give all of us the kingdom. And in fact, in more than 10 verses of do not be afraid, about 12 or 13 verses out of the 105 verses, do not be afraid is followed by do not be dismayed, do not be discouraged. The word is interchangeable. The same root word in Hebrew. And discouraged, what is the opposite of discouraged? Encouraged. What is encouraged? If you go into the, the English words, encouraged means to put courage inside. So how, when the Lord says, do not be afraid, instead be encouraged, it means do not be afraid, let me put courage inside of you. 
That's what the Lord is doing. That's what the Lord wants to do for every one of us. No matter what your situation is, the Lord says this to you today. This is your season where He's going to be placing courage into your life. In Romans chapter 8, verse 15, it says, For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We did not receive the spirit of slavery to fear. We have been adopted as sons and daughters of the Most High God. We have been created so intimately, so specially. And into this adoption of children of God, we are no longer slaves to fear. We no longer need to be bound to fear. You know, the an analogy that Paul uses here, slaves to fear, it is giving the imagery of, you know, back in the day where, when you see prisoners, they have a big chain to their ankle and then it's you know, tied to a huge steel ball and sometimes that steel ball is even chained to the floor and basically you can't move far. You can't move far because you are being chained. Slaves to fear. So when we have so much fear in our hearts, fear can have different results in all of us. Fear can either stop you from moving forward when you're supposed to make that step of faith, when you're supposed to make that new launch, when you're making that new decision. But fear of the unknown, you just say, I better just handle status quo. Don't move any, any further. Can you serve this year as a cell leader? No, 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 no. I got too much on my plate. Cannot, cannot. Fear can also do the opposite. When you're not supposed to move, fear can make you make rash decisions. Make you move too quickly because you're too afraid to wait. Kiasua. <laughs> You're so scared to lose out. Or nowadays, the generation will go, hashtag FOMO, FOMO, fear of missing out. Huh? And then we, we don't want to lose out, so therefore we just make the, the move quickly and then we end up in a mess. So fear can have a different result. It's either we move too fast or we don't move at all. We need to learn to move in step with the Spirit. Amen, church. So today, my text for today comes from 2 Timothy 1 verse 6 to 7. A very familiar text and we're just going to go into it. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. 2 Timothy 1, verse 6 to 7. Now, Paul here was writing to his spiritual son, Timothy. This was probably one of the last letters written by Paul. It was his final imprisonment. After this, most likely, he was already martyred for the sake of the gospel. And Paul had gone through many rounds of being in prison. And he knew that this was going to be the last one. So as he wrote this last letter to his, his beloved son, Timothy, he had the first instruction in the beginning of this letter. He said, I am writing to remind you of this gift 
that was already given upon you when I laid my hands. What gift is this? If you continue to read on in the whole letter, you will realize that this gift, the laying on of hands, is the gift of that Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit that was given as a gift to all of us. In Romans, Paul even says, God, the, the precious deposit that has been given to you, that Holy Spirit that has been given to you. And he even encourages Timothy, fan it into flame. Do you know that every gift that you have needs to be fanned into flame? If you do not have, if you're not fanning into flame that gift, the fire is going to die. So he was encouraging Timothy, fan it into flame. The presence of the Holy Spirit in all our lives, it needs to be fanned into flame. How do you fan it into flame? You fan it into flame every time you read the Word of God. You fan it into flame every time you worship the Lord, not just on Sundays, but even at home. You fan it into flame when you begin to pray and intercede before the Lord. You fan it into flame every single time when you come for prayer meetings, when you come for morning prayers, every single time you come for cell group, you are learning to fan into flame all that God has given you through the Holy Spirit. We cannot be silent. We cannot just take a, a step back and just say, okay, Holy Spirit is in me. Do your thing, Holy Spirit. I'll just relax. We are called to fan into flame. The gift that God has given us. And what is this? Because he was reminding Timothy not to be timid, not to be afraid of this new role not to be afraid to step out in boldness. And he says, God never gave you a spirit of fear. God never gave you church. Every single one of you that's seated here never gave you a spirit of fear. Fear is not from the Lord. Fear never originates from the Lord. But instead, what originates from the Lord is through the Holy Spirit, the Spirit that, that brings with power, love, and self-control. And we're just going to go into that very quickly just to understand a little bit more about, about this verse. The Holy Spirit empowers. Now this power here is from the word dunamis. We have heard this word dunamis before, but I just want to go through it again. Dunamis talks about that powerful force. It is a force to be reckoned with. That's why the word dynamite comes from it because it goes kaboom. That's the dunamis. Dunamis is used whenever Jesus, you know, as, as, a, as when He was walking on earth, every miracle in the Gospels, it writes down as the mighty works of, of Jesus, the mighty miracles of Jesus. That word there, mighty, talks about the dunamis. It is the same word, dunamis work of Jesus. That is the power that brings about miracles. That is the power that brings about breakthroughs, that power that Jesus had. Dunamis was also used when Luke talked about Elijah's power. When Elijah's anointing power, when Luke talks about Elijah, he uses the word dunamis to represent that. When Mary was expecting Jesus and the angel of the Lord came to tell her about it and when she said, how can it be? Oh, the power of the mighty one shall come upon you. The dunamis power shall come upon you to do miracles. It is a miracle-working, powerful force. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead. Church is the same power that lives in you. 
we must remember the power. We, we are a powerhouse. We are not a weak individual. Everyone that is seated here, I want to speak to your hearts to remind you, you are a powerhouse. You have a dunamis spirit residing in you and you need to keep fanning into flame. Hallelujah. And that is how we can overcome fear. Because when you have that kind of power, greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. You have that assurance that no matter what, that spirit of fear cannot have anything to do with me. I've got that dunamis within me. Hallelujah. That dunamis power. Paul was reminding Timothy because Timothy needed to be filled with courage. And I think many of us here today, we need to be filled with courage. We have already gone past the first month of 2018. 11 months to go. Some of you are wondering, oh, what's going to happen after elections? What's going to happen before elections? What's going to happen to my children? What's going to happen to my, my own parents? So many weary concerns sometimes for the rest of the year. But today, the Lord wants to release this message to put courage into everyone that is here. Even if you're a student, you're facing the biggest exam of your life here whether you're a working adult, whether you're a grandparent or a parent, what lies before you, the Lord says, that dunamis power will take you through victoriously. Amen. The second one, the Holy Spirit enables us through the love. Love is a powerful force. The love that is used here is called the agape love. Agape love that is a caring love, very self-sacrificing love, a love that cares for others beyond what we can. In this year of unstoppable love, love is not a wishy-washy kind of a love. It is not a feel touchy-feely kind of a good-feeling love. It is a powerful, strong love. I always hear statements which says, love held him at the cross. It was not just the nails. Because he could have called 10,000 angels. But he chose not to. Because love held him at the cross. And that is why we are here today. It's that powerful agape love. And you know, when I was looking at this, this verse came to mind. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. <clears throat> And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Perfect love casts out fear. It's not perfect love will usher fear out. Thank you so much, fear, for coming. You know, you may now leave this place right now. No, perfect love does not do that. Perfect love takes fear and casts it out. The word cast is talking about a strong throw. It's throwing as hard as you can, as fast as you can. That is how it is done. Perfect love casts out fear. That's how strong love is. Earlier we talked about how, how many more times love occurs in the Bible because really love casts out fears. It sends fear to flight and says, never come back fear. I've got love inside. Love enables us because love gives us the assurance. My God loves me so much. And I want you to be reminded of this too, church. Every one of you that's seated here, 
The Lord knows you by name. He knows your individual situations. He knows your circumstances. He even knows how many hair you have on head or so. He's so personal to every single one of us. No matter how far away you're seated or how near you're seated, He knows us all. And then, when you talk about the love of God, you say, but how? I don't know whether I have that love inside of me, that, that so special love. How do I get this special love? In Romans 5 verse 5, it says this, And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We don't have to love from our empty tank. But instead, as we come into the presence of the Lord, God's love has been poured into your hearts. God's love has been poured into all our hearts through the Holy Spirit. It's always through the power of the Holy Spirit. As we begin to fan into flame and activate it, the Holy Spirit continues to be that ever that a channel, that ever flowing, ever pouring channel of the love of God in our hearts. And a powerful love, a love that reminds us, as how Pastor Gwen preached two weeks ago, we are not orphans. We are sons and daughters of God. And that love is for us. A father who will fight for you. A father who will always protect you. A father who will never let us down. With that kind of love, that kind of backing, what is there to be afraid of? We can indeed say, put fear to flight in our lives. Fear you have no more place in my life. Hallelujah. Many times, a lot of us, our fears have to do with the decisions that we make. Not sure how to make the right decisions. So scared instead, you know, I sometimes speak to parents and it's quite overwhelming, I can, I can imagine, to think that, oh, if I make the wrong decision, am I going to ruin my child's life forever? It's a very real concern. It sounds dramatic, but it is a very real concern of so many parents. And similarly, in other areas, if I make a wrong move in a business decision, if I choose wrongly, what happens? But thanks be to God, that there is a third element to this. The Holy Spirit enlightens us. That self-control, in some versions it says sound mind, other versions it says discipline. This talks about being an individual that is spirit-led. A spirit-led individual is an individual whose thoughts are governed by the Lord. And as we begin to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit reminds us how to make right decisions. How do we walk in His way? And when you do that, you find that it's not so stressful after all. We don't really have to be so worried, but we just have to really, as what the song says, take it to the Lord in prayer. And the Lord will guide us. That self-control means that we look to Him not to our friends for wisdom. While there is always wisdom in godly counsel. I was just talking yesterday to the young adults, you know. I was saying that different age group but different concerns. So, for some of us here, the concern is, is she the right one? 
Is he the right one for me? When is the right one? Ayo, this guy is so cute. Is he the one for me? And then you wonder like, oh, what if I make a mistake? What if I ask her to marry me and she's the wrong one? You know, a lifetime of, of misery, is it? And then you're so worried. And sometimes the, the worry of not being married pushes you to marry the wrong person. Or the worry of being committed pushes you never to get married. Both also stemming from the same root cause of fear. So I told them, I said, so are y'all checking out, you know, in those, those magazines, you know, top 10 ways to know if he is the one. Huh? <laughs> are, y'all, are we doing that? <laughs> but you know, you all laugh, but sometimes we try to do those things because we're all trying to seek for wisdom. But you know, wisdom is really found in the Lord. I'm serious. Be led by the Spirit. While while godly counsel is all very, very important, always hear from the Lord in any decision, whether it's a business decision, whether it's a family decision, a personal relational decision, the Lord will always guide us. He will always be our, our guide. Jesus Himself said this to the disciples, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. All truth, every single thing that you need to know the truth to make a decision, He says all truth. All truth. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things. Say with me, all things. All things. He doesn't say some things. When I feel like it, things. He says all things. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. You see how amazing that gift that the Lord has given us? What the Lord has given us is not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, dunamis power, a spirit of agape love, and a spirit to help us have a sound mind, to be led by the Spirit. You know, the Lord is so gracious to us, so loving. He understands that we have our different fears. We have our different concerns in life. As the year is yet to unfold, do do you make that decision to buy that home? Is this a good timing? People tell you, oh, you shouldn't do this, or oh, you should do this, and so many advices. But today, I want to ask everyone here, Bring your fears to the Lord today. Bring every concern that you have for the year ahead. Because I believe today the Lord is going to give you a breakthrough. The Lord is going to give you that assurance. The Lord is going to give you the best gift, which is an empowering of the Holy Spirit. Now, every one of us, most of us here, in fact, we have had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. But many of us have not been able to fan it into flame in recent days. And you say, how to fan it into flame? How to, how to jumpstart it? Well, today, this, this morning, in a little while, when the altars are open, I want to speak to your hearts to not be afraid to even come out here. The first level of defeating fear is coming out to get your breakthrough from the Lord. It's coming up to say, Lord, I'm leaving this fear behind. I'm leaving the fear about my health behind. I'm leaving the fear about the future of my households behind. I want to leave the fear of my my studies behind. 
my work decisions, my career. Different kinds of fears affect us all. And today the Lord wants to do a, do a mighty work, a dunamis work in all of us. When I was preparing for this, the Lord gave me one word. He gave me the, it's a very interesting word, I even had to Google it to fully understand the meaning. It was the word precipice. Precipice. Precipice means the edge of a cliff. I see all the English teachers are nodding at me. Phew. Precipice means the end of a cliff. And I believe for some of us here, you are standing at the edge of a cliff. Like here, I'm, I'm holding very tight because I'm very scared. <laughs> You're standing at the edge of a cliff right here. And you have a very big decision to make. Some of you here, the Lord has led you to this edge of the cliff. And you're wondering, Lord, really? You really want me to jump? You really want me to move ahead? And you say, Lord, and this precipice word is not talk, it's a very high cliff. It's really at the edge. And it is probably the most terrifying decision that you will have to make. But the Lord is bidding you to come today to the altar, those of you who are at this brink, because He's speaking to you to say, it's time to make that leap. It's time to make that leap and know that I am with you. Know that I will never abandon you. I will never forsake you. When you read every single one of the do not be afraid, these are different individuals who have gone before us. The Word of God says we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. A cloud of witnesses who have already done what we are supposed to do. And these clouds of witnesses were also faced with difficult, fearful times. And they were told, do not be afraid. I am with you, go forth. Abraham, when he was told to leave his comfort zone, when he was told to walk into the unknown, no promises were yet fulfilled. This is what the Lord said to him in Genesis 15 verse 1. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. I am your shield means I am your protector. When I bid you to walk out, I am your shield. That's what the Lord says to all of us. He is our shield. And He says this, Your reward shall be very great. He just assured Abraham of this. And Abraham just took it by faith and he walked on. In Isaiah to the children of Israel, fear not, I am the one who helps you. If he's asking you to step into the unknown, the Lord says, I am the one who will help you through it. You are not alone. When the Lord bids you step out in faith, what is the situation that you're in? The Lord says, I am here to help you. And He says, fear not, I am with you. I am with you. This fear not, I am with you phrase has occurred many times in the Scripture. Fear not, He is with you. So I speak to your hearts today. 
Fear not. Fear not. Your loved ones who need to be saved, fear not. The Lord is with you. The Lord will strengthen you. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours but God's. In Second Chronicles. Sometimes we think the battle is ours and we are so busy spending our time sharpening our tools, our physical tools, sharpening just skills that we know. It is not bad, but if we forget the one important fact, the battle belongs to the Lord. The battle is not yours today. I want to speak to your heart. What is the battle that you're going through? What is the struggle that you're going through? The battle belongs to the Lord. Do not be afraid. And Jesus said this to His disciples. Can I have the musicians coming up? Jesus said this to the disciples. Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And even today, the presence of the Lord is with us. And I want to encourage all of you. He says this to you individually. Take heart. Do not be afraid. It is I that will walk with you. It is I that will come and sit with you in your boat in the midst of a song. It is I. Do not be afraid. I have come with power, with love, and with a sound mind. He will come to fan into flame all that, that, all that needs to be stirred up from us again. We are living in the last days. The enemy is very busy, working very hard to steal, kill and destroy all that we have. But Jesus says this to us, I have come to give you life and life more abundant in John 10 verse 10. So today I speak to your hearts. I begin to ask you just to close your eyes for a moment, put away your things just between you and the Lord right now. Beginning to acknowledge the Lord. These are my areas of fear that I have. These are my struggles. Just all heads bowed down. Hallelujah. Just beginning to recognize His presence is here. And today He wants to build a church that is not afraid to step out in faith. A church that is not afraid to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Shara da 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 da